Hello and welcome to the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast. I am the traffic anchor for Denver 7 News. My name is Jason Luber, and with me today, not Joseph Peters. He is on assignment, apparently. Uh, He is the outstanding anchor, outstanding reporter for Denver 7 News, formerly with the morning show, but now on the day team. It's the other Jason in the newsroom. Jason Granauer. You beat me to saying the other Jason. But you yes, are. This is my podcast debut, uh, both for Driving You Crazy and for any podcast ever. So I'm very happy to be here and uh, very excited to discuss a variety of topics today. Very good, because that's what we need you for. Because the captain of the Driving You Crazy podcast, fan club, Nicole Brady, she was supposed to be here. She's been here many times. She, she loves the podcast. She likes co-hosting the podcast. But unfortunately, she is sick. She was starting to lose her voice yesterday so she called out like a wuss that's why i actually got the chance to anchor the newscast because nicole brady has no voice and so i'm happily here uh we had a great show on denver 7 and now uh now i get to be uh the third in line co-host. there you go Perfect. very happy to be third choice now numerous people i I've, I've heard are sick in the newsroom is that right that is absolutely correct i mean we're losing them left and right mm-hmm. i mean they are going down like flies yep that's not good not good for a news organization to have people really sick. No, it's not. And even after just waking up early one day and reading two and a half hours of news, I can already hear it in my voice. So, can't wait. Yes, can't wait. Well, as we talk traffic, as we talk traffic stories and transportation stories, uh, you, you can add your witty banter and Buffalo, New York-style commentary as we go on. Absolutely. Because how, how are the tires sticking to the road? There, <laughs> there you go. Now, let me ask you, have you ever driven or have been in a Ferrari? I have not specifically. It's a, it's a dream or a life goal of mine. When I was a valet in college... Uh, I used to work, uh, I used to go leave college and then for the weekends go work as a valet in downtown Atlanta. And I would drive, you know, pretty nice cars occasionally. And I've driven a couple of Ferraris. Now I was never really able to get it up above, let's say, eight miles an hour. So I can't really attest to the awesomeness that would be a Ferrari rolling down the highway. Ferrari with the cool names like the Diablo, right? Those are the, yeah. Sure. I think. I'll go with that. Sure. Uh, the Ferrari may be many things to different people, but one thing it isn't is buoyant. A man in Palm Beach, Florida, he drove his Ferrari into the intercoastal waterway. Fortunately for him, he escaped the submerged car uninjured. A passing boater helped him out of the water, took him back to shore. The car sank approximately in 30 feet of water. The divers were able to attach inflatable lift bags. They inflated those bags, and so then you have this floating Ferrari that is in the intercoastal. Okay, I have a few questions. How do you drive a Ferrari into 30 feet of water? I don't know. That's still unanswered. I was looking everywhere for that answer, and and nobody, I guess, any of the reporters, we, we have a station down there in West Palm Beach. I looked for the for their answers and I couldn't find the answers I was looking for. So that that takes me to immediately to the episode of The Office where Michael Scott says, "I don't trust technology because the old-fashioned way of doing things are better." And the GPS he had in his rental car, he didn't trust. And then it told him to take a take a right, take a right, take a right. And so he's like, "Fine, I give up. I will trust technology." And he drove his car right into a lake. Yep. Down the boat ramp, into the lake. But even then, the max amount of water is five feet, maybe. I right. mean, you, you'd you have to be going very fast, 
or go off of a road to get it into 30 feet of water. Well, the intercoastal drops off. It's not It's not like you just have a nice, gentle slope like a lake. The intercoastal is like just a big canal. And so when you are on a road right next to the intercoastal and you go off, That's you are in the water and okay. you are deep because they have boats that come right up against the, uh, against the docks there. Now, that also takes me to, I, I don't know if specifically, but this scene, it sounds like a scene out of James Bond, where the Ferrari becomes a submarine right. and drives through, and then he, he pulls out, and then he's out in his perfect tuxedo-smoking jacket on Bond, James Bond. But this guy is probably both not James Bond and probably out a whole lot of money. Well, yeah, because I, I don't think saltwater is particularly good. For leather seats. Oh, it's not even. It's not even <laughs> fresh Or the water. engine, or the transmission, or any part of a Ferrari. Oh, that, that you would think that had to be totaled at that point, there right? There's so many ways you could instantly total a Ferrari, and that is that sounds to be one of the worst. Yes. Well, thankfully the guy wasn't hurt, but obviously his wallet and his Ferrari were hurt. Now Tesla owners, have you driven in a Tesla? I have not. I know several people who do drive them. I have also not driven in a Tesla yet. Well, Tesla owners, uh, they were rewarded with a Christmas present from Elon Musk in the form of a surprise bonus feature for their car. Now, what they did is they activated several new features, including emissions testing mode. That's a feature that sends out fart noises whenever you put your turn signal on. Or spews out fake flatulence on demand. (laughs) Now, we're talking about a super fancy, super expensive electric car that they can, one, just turn features on and off of? Yes. Remotely, somehow? Well, no, not remotely. While they're sitting in the car, you have this screen, and on the screen, you can select their emissions mode, and in the emissions mode are these fart noises. And why on earth? earth would you want that or need that because it's funny you're not that's it if you're owning a tesla you're not in high school at least i would hope not (laughs) but there are guys look you can you can take you can graduate a guy out of high school but you can't take the high school out of the guy yeah because right yeah i drive in an x zero 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 car that that much money and it's like yeah but look what it can do and it farts. <laughs> yeah, there are six settings, in fact, for various types of flatulence. Uh, you can hear the ludicrous fart, the short shorts ripper fart. Yeah, the short shorts. Are you going to read ripper. all of them? Uh, the boring fart, the not a fart, the falcon heavy, <laughs> and finally the neurostink. We all went to college. You can adjust the sound to come out from any seat in the car. I, I've seen some prank videos, and they're pretty funny. There's this one dad who gets in there, and he has a, a couple of the he has he does the settings, so he has his kids in the back seat. So then he hits a button, and then it sounds like his daughter is letting one go. She catches on pretty quickly, though. Now, if I owned a Tesla and I was told that you have this new feature, this brand awesome new feature that will make your sweet car even cooler. Can it? Can't you make it make Star Wars noises? Probably. Can't you put it in Millennium Falcon mode. Yeah. And have the, the like the lights go zipping by or something like that, other than a fart. Hello, Elon Musk. This is going to be hashtag to Elon Musk, and so he, we should send this to him. This is a great idea. And then Star all we're Wars asking mode. for is ten percent. Yep. You can send the checks mm-hmm. to Jason and Jason 
care of KMGH TV, one, uh, what, 123 Spear Boulevard, mm-hmm. Denver, Colorado, 80203. Uh, there's also a new romance mode setting that will allow you to activate a virtual crackling fireplace on the car's LCD screen while it plays romantic music. Okay, now that one I can get behind because <laughs> for a variety of reasons. But one, okay, crackling. If it was just the audio, I would be worried because an electric car, R- the oh, last yeah, sure. thing you want to hear is crackling. But all of a sudden on this, L- it's just like, oh, look, the traveling fireplace. Now I don't have to take the Christmas Yule log on Netflix, prop my phone up on my dashboard, and try to be romantic <laughs> there about you it. There you go. It will be included in the vehicle. But then you're going to have to go be extra romantic outside the vehicle because I don't think there's a lot of room in there for no, not that at all. activity. And there, there's also a video game called Pole Position, which lets you use the Tesla steering wheel to actually play a version of the classic video game. But most Tesla owners are just talking about the new farting mode feature. So Pole Position is a cool classic game, but I would hope that it would be to a point where it was not allowed to be played while the vehicle is in motion. It's okay. not. You have to be parked. That's and Im- so you can, then you can turn the steering wheel without crashing while yes. you're playing the game. That's important. Just yes. don't, I mean, then we're going to hear somebody saying, oh, my gosh, I had to get new Tesla tires because literally just I steered them on dry blacktop until – because I was playing this video game, and now here's another $1,000. If I really wanted a farting mode in my little Chevy Volt, I would just bring my seven-year-old Jolene uh, I, I anywhere I want to go. I thought you were going to say eat Mexican food, but that, no. I'm glad you went there <laughs> no. with that. Yeah, go visit Casa Bonita. Mm-hmm. That's all you have to do. Well, we just came off the New, York, uh, the New Year's celebration here. It's uh, the day after the New Year. It is January 2nd, and it's typically a time we see a lot of drunks on the road, but just in the past week or so, over a 72-hour period, there were nine people killed in crashes on Colorado roads, and that prompted the chief of the Colorado State Patrol to issue this plea. I'm Colonel Matthew Packer, chief of the Colorado State Patrol. As I sit here before you today, as 2018 comes to a close, I've just learned that we've lost our 600th life on Colorado's roadways. 600 lives lost on Colorado's roadways. That's simply not acceptable. And in fact, in the last 72 hours, The Colorado State Patrol alone has investigated seven crashes that have resulted in the loss of nine lives. Nine people dead in the last 72 hours. Nine people in 72 hours. That's nine brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers, nine human beings that aren't here anymore. This is an epidemic that has to stop right now. And that responsibility lies in my hands and your hands. Together, we are the only solution to this. We have to be better, Colorado. Lives depend on it. And while the investigation into these instances is still early, here's a few things that we know. There is no common geographic component. They have occurred in every corner on highways throughout this state. Day, night, lunchtime, breakfast time, or the middle of the night. They're happening at all times in locations all across the state. And in fact, there's no demographic as far as the people. It's been men, it's been women, it's been young, it's been old. As young as 17 as old as 63 and all points in between. This is a matter of personal responsibility that drivers need to take upon themselves. Together we can encourage that, but it has to stop now. And again, while the investigation is early, here's what we know. Selfish driving caused each one of these crashes. Inattentive, impairment, just not paying attention, making bad passes, driving carelessly. These are all preventable. And in fact, that's the one common component. They are all preventable. 
They're preventable because people like you and I are willing to take the responsibility required to drive a car. So take it. Step up. Be better. Let's save lives in Colorado. Make this place the, as beautiful as it's supposed to be. Thank you. That was a pretty powerful message from the chief. I mean, he's mad. I saw that video come out on Twitter, and what struck me covering these kinds of things as a reporter and seeing these kinds of videos come out and things like that, most of the time it's it's a warning or it's, or it's a follow-up news piece, but he was just straight-up angry about that number. I don't, I don't know if it was the 600, it, it might have been the, the, in the 72 hours, but he was, he was almost at one point like he was yelling at the camera because he was so upset that this keeps happening. Is, is there a way out of this? I, I think I have some ideas of, of ways to get, to get out of this. Um, but, yeah, like you said, he was really mad, and I think he had to go and do this plea just because in, in such a short amount of time, really three days, so many people, nine people, were killed, including this one woman who was driving on I-70 with her, I think it was a six-year-old girl in the back seat, and some woman who was sus- suspectedly on, uh, on drinking and, and on marijuana, crossed over from the eastbound side of I-70 to the westbound side, crashed into her. This woman was just driving back home to Route County up near Steamboat Springs and was killed. And now her six-year-old daughter is going to grow up without a mom. And that's, I think that it was a combination of that number, the fact that it happened around the holidays. Um, I know that, that we've had, you know, issues in the past or, or incidents, rather, in the past um, out near Tower Road um, on I-70 was, a, was, I believe it was last year, right around Christmas time, right. um, with the elderly couple that was involved. And that's why the other reason, I think, that he mentioned the demographics, you know, it's, he mentioned geographic first. So, okay, so this isn't just people driving in the mountains, and so it doesn't impact me. It's not just people driving in the city, so this doesn't impact me. And then he mentioned the age component, which I thought was also important because it's not just, oh, these are old people driving that don't know directions or, oh, this is just teenagers that don't know where they're going. It's everybody. Right. Like you said, there there are people in their 60s, people in their teens, some girl up on I-70 up near Eagle uh, was driving, didn't have a seatbelt on, flipped her car. She was skidding out of control, I guess, and, and it, it, she wasn't wearing a seatbelt and she got thrown out. A lot of people die from, from not having their seatbelts on, and they get thrown out of the car because you don't understand what kind of forces. Just think about this. When, it, when you see a car that's crashed and you see the metal, I mean, just touch the metal with your hands on a car. It's obviously metal. You can't bend that. But then you put it into a crash, and within a few seconds, that metal is twisted and turned into ways that you could not even imagine using a machine to do. And so those are the kind of forces, and if you think, if you think those forces are going to keep you safe or you're, gonna, you're not going to die, you are. I mean, flat out, you're going to die. And, that, I mean, you just see even, even a smaller crash just this morning where someone rear-ended a pickup truck is what it looked like, and the hood was halfway up the car. And just the, you know, you're driving during rush hour, so you couldn't have been going that fast. But at the same time, if that's going to do, if the hood's going to go backwards, you're going to go forwards. Yep. And if you're not wearing that seatbelt, then that's what's going to happen. Now, this all leads me to interesting news out of Utah, where just before it became 2019 in Utah, they lowered their blood alcohol limit content from 0.08, that's where it is in most of the country, down to 0.05 for drunken driving, making it the strictest DUI law in the country. 
And that means people can only have about half as many drinks as they did before to not be legally impaired. Now, in 1983, Utah was the first state to lower the blood alcohol limit from 0.10 down to 0.08, and that was for impaired driving. 20 years later, every state was down to 0.08, and Utah is now trying to pioneer that move to lower it nationwide once again. Now, to give you an idea of the difference in consumption, for a man weighing, let's say, how much do you weigh? Uh, about 185 pounds on a good day. Well, there you go. Well, weighing about th- – th- this stat was coming from somebody with about 180 pounds. You're, how tall are you? 6'2". 6'2", 180. So you're, you're, a, you're a fine, uh, uh, fit man. I try to be. I'm, I am also 6'2", but I'm at uh, 235. Also a, a fine man. <laughs> <laughs> well, it takes about four drinks to reach a BAC of .08 for you. About okay. four drinks. But to reach .05, it would be a little over two drinks. So you could have two beers in one hour, and you're already at the legal limit in Utah. That's tough. That's just for a man. Now, for a woman, it's usually about less than two drinks in an hour, which would put her over the limit. Because usually women are, are smaller in size, and it's really about how quickly your body can uh, uh, process all the alcohol and then get it out of your system every hour. That sounds interesting. It also kind of sounds scary for the people that go out and responsibly consume two drinks over the course of an hour at a, a fine dining establishment, whatever it is, and would be totally fine. Now, granted, total fine is the question mark here. That's that's where the question comes in as to what is responsible when you're changing the limit around. That is exactly what my point is. And also, you're almost exactly stating what the American Beverage Institute, a critic of the law, is saying. Because they say the new law actually won't save lives. It's only going to target social and moderate drinkers, not legitimately drunk drivers. And I I agree. There's about 70% of the alcohol-related fatalities in this country are caused with somebody with a BAC, of 0.15. That would be three times the new legal limit there in Utah. Or twice the current legal limit. Right. A little, just a shade under, because it would be 0.16. Now, is, yeah, exactly. So we're talking about the majority of alcohol-related deaths come from people who basically don't care what the right. law is right. and are extremely intoxicated. So... My argument to that would be, no matter what the legal limit number is, they're drunk, and they're going to drive, and they're going to cause themselves or other people bodily harm. So changing the law doesn't, doesn't, won't impact them. Right. At all. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, and that's where this back and forth is going. So for some, Mothers Against Drunk Driving, they would say there should be no drinking, period and then driving, not even a sip of wine, and then getting behind the wheel, because at that, that point, if you have anything, you are somewhat impaired, and you shouldn't be allowed to drive. However, real people know that there is a small level of alcohol that you can have, a beer or two, a, a glass of wine with dinner, and then dry, be able to drive home. And I think that the because the .08 standard has been so widely accepted— 
for passing driver's tests, just for knowing the law, that has kind of become the, at least in my mind, was always taught or ingrained to be, okay, if you're at more than close to 0.08, so if you're at 0 0.65, 0 0.7, 0 0.8 or more, you're drunk. And that means that you should not be operating a motor vehicle. Now, people have different definitions of the word drunk, and I think that in some ways it's almost become if you're at 0.08 and you legally can't drive, you've had enough to drink, period. Right. And so the idea of having you know, any, any alcohol in your system is too much to drive, I, I think that the standard has so long been 0.08 that it's not just legally, it's, okay, you're drunk. Or you've, you've had enough to drink that you can't drive, you probably shouldn't do other things, and you're good as long as then you responsibly get home and do all of these all, all the other correct things that you're supposed to do. But in all of a sudden, the, the changing of this, it's like, well, now you want us to change completely how we've thought for so long. And I guess, I guess the question that I would have is, when they changed it from... 0.1 to 0.08 did people come out and say this will never work this will never come across the country and then it did yes and so i guess well me and part of that is because that the the federal government was withholding money federal money uh transportation money to the states that didn't lower their blood alcohol limit to 0.08 but right when it first came out when utah first said we're gonna be the forebearers of this we're gonna take it from 0.1 to 0.08 and people probably said you're crazy because w maybe 0.1 was what it was for so long that'll never get that'll never get traction just the same way that I'm sitting here saying 0.05 that'll never get traction well I think the 0.08 is a reasonable compromise and maybe even 0.05 because there are DWAI uh, ability impaired laws that will allow for officers discretion to give uh, a, a citation, not a full DUI, but at least a impaired DUI, uh, to people that might have point up to point oh five. Um, so, but there's other ways to find impairment. I, I still think there should be some kind of a an egregious DUI law, where if you are caught, let's say over point one five, the the fines should be egregious as well. So, let's say you're caught for the first time with a BAC of point one five. Really drunk. Twice the legal limit, basically, three times in Utah. Maybe the fine should be, for the first time, $25,000 in a week in jail. Not just you spend the night in jail, you sober up, you lose your license for a year, and then off you go. Let me ask you this question. In Colorado right now, if I was arrested for DUI and my BAC was .081 versus if I was arrested for DUI and my, uh, and my blood alcohol content was .18, Six one, meaning twice the legal limit, and just a dash. Are those fines and penalties the same? Basically, yes. So I totally agree with you in that fact because if some people do make mistakes, I'm not talking about crashes that that severely hurt people or kill people. I mean, that's obviously why you don't drink and drive. But there are people that do make mistakes that maybe they thought they were better than they were or their whatever the, whatever their excuse may be. Should you get a $25,000 in jail for 0.081? I don't think so. But if you are at 0.16 
If you're double the legal limit, you have no excuse for that. You have nothing that can say, oh, well, I thought I had I thought I had a bigger lunch than that. And that's why I say there should be some kind of an egregious mm-hmm. DUI. So there should be a it's like a um, uh, there's there's murder in different degrees. Maybe mm-hmm. there should be DUIs in different degrees. And maybe the second offense, so let's say another egregious DUI of over point one five would be a fifty thousand dollar fine and, and a month in jail. And I think once you make the fines and you make the penalties ridiculous, where nobody would ever want to do it, you're going to reduce the number of people doing that. So do you think that doing that on, let's call it the high end of BAC, would be more effective than doing what Utah is doing yes. in, in the low end of BAC? I do. I, I think so, because it will get the responsible drinkers will still drink a couple, but they will understand that the DUI is still looming out there and it's still a real problem. However, if you go, let's say you're at a New Year's Eve party and you have three or four drinks and five drinks, and you know when you've been drinking that you shouldn't be driving. Most people know that. And then you go out and drive and you're at over, let's say, let's put it at 0.12. You're over that level and then your fines uh, increase dramatically. If you're over 0.16, then you they go up again. Uh, and that's the only way to really stop. Now, some of these people that have the huge high alcohol content, they can still actually function well because they're alcoholics and they are are, are more uh, able to deal with the drinking and doing responsible things. Um, it's just natural for you to get more accustomed to, to drinking and, and doing things when you're an alcoholic. Now, um, I, I think that one thing does have to be mentioned because we are talking about the state of Utah here, which I believe comes in in, in most national studies, and I can't quote one off the top of my head, but I, I feel like I've seen multiple things that say they drink the least amount of alcohol as a state in the probably, country. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you have the uh, LDS Church, so and, I, and, and most of the Mormon members, I believe, are not I think they're not they're not allowed to drink caffeine or alcohol, and so you you do have fewer people drinking overall. And then there's also the question because whenever new fines happen, especially with lower limits, the question becomes, or at least there's one person on Facebook because there always is that says, "Oh, this is the money grab." So that's that. a whole separate issue. But anytime you lower things and you think that, just generally speaking, anyone who dr- drank and drove between .05 and .08, now if half of them get a DUI, they have to go through the process and do all of that and all of that kind of stuff, which is a whole separate issue. Right, but you're also going to be, as we were talking earlier, going to be targeting the moderate drinker, the people that are going to have a couple of extra beers. Maybe instead of having that third beer, you're not going to now if you're in Utah because you know that limit is going to be lowered. But at the same time, someone like myself who goes out and has two not crazy high alcohol content beers in an hour with a light dinner, and then I have a DUI, if I get a DUI, then that's on my record, and then anywhere you go, that follows you? Oh, yeah. Is that fair? Well, is it fair that you you broke the law? I mean, not just that law, but let's say then you punch some guy in the mouth. That's going to follow you around. Is that fair? Well, I mean, that, that, that comes down to the fact that I would I would tend to agree with you in that .05 is too low because of what would be widely viewed as your average person doing with your average you know drinking an average amount of alcohol and how that average uh, affects you et cetera et cetera et cetera right. because you watch the people that that go out and drive the cones at .05 versus .08 versus .12 and you can clearly tell the difference. 
but you can also clearly tell there's a big difference between .05 and .08. And for that reason, I would want to see at least a little bit more scientific basis for lowering it. And if all of a sudden that was dropped on my doorstep and I saw, you know, that nine out of 10 people at .05 couldn't stop when the, when the little thing popped up that was the little person crossing the street, then it might change my mind. Now, I, I wonder if there's ever going to be a state legislator, whether it's here or any other state, that has the onions to submit into a uh, legislative body a, a bill that would address what we're talking about and have maybe the levels of DUI mm-hmm. and have maybe an egregious DUI law and put that in the books. But I, I really don't think there's going to be any um, legislator that's going to do that. It's 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 going to take a lot of effort and somebody with a lot of chutzpah, um, somebody with um, I, I maybe an axe to grind on the whole thing. Because I, I, I think there's going to be huge pushback from the alcohol lobby, probably not from the insurance uh, companies. But, but I still think if you want to stop the behavior, you have to make the penalty so egregious that nobody dares do it. Like uh, try to double-cross El Chapo. I mean, if you try to do that, you're going to end up little parts all over Mexico. And so by, making, by doing something on the higher end, you would target out the people that are breaking the law basically on purpose. I mean, you, if you ask someone with a .12 or a .15 BAC, regardless of how well they can function, like, you don't get to that point and still think it's okay right. to drive a vehicle. Maybe they do, but no one else in the world <laughs> right. would. Whereas .05, you ask anyone in the world and you make sure you might get some people on the negative end but you'll you'll definitely i could de- tell you the truth right for a fact you would get people on the positive end saying oh no they're 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 fine they're they're not breaking the law right and that's just your common perception of that we'll see where it goes uh, it'll be interesting to follow this obviously the law just started and so we'll see how that uh, plays out over the next couple of months and years good luck utes uh, are there any transportation uh, issues that are that are Sticking in your craw that oh. you want to uh, explore here on the show. Well, the first time that I was asked to be on the Driving You Crazy podcast, I said, you know what? There are a few things that are driving me crazy. All right, bring them out. One of them actually just happened to me the other, the other night. I was on Colorado Boulevard heading westbound on 13th. Trying to get home because I live in the ca- in Capitol Hill, okay. and that is the one way. It's a one, and that, it is a one way that that goes, you know, fairly quickly. In in you know, at, from time to time, not a lot of stop signs, not a whole lot of traffic. And I noticed, and it was pointed out to me that there were multiple traffic signals on that one way street. Yep. Where there was no cross street, there was either a, an alley on both sides, or in some cases, just an alley on one side. And I stopped at 7 p.m. on a holiday evening at three of those lights getting from Colorado, not even making it all the way to Lincoln for for that. Yep. And it frustrated the you-know-what's out of me because there's no cross traffic, and I just want to know why. If you would read my Driving You Crazy uh, series of stories that are on the DenverChannel.com, you can read them right now. If you go to the DenverChannel.com, you can see my series of stories, and one of them includes this issue here. Exactly. There are traffic lights that are set up along that roadway as well as other one ways mm-hmm. around Metro Denver. And they are, I believe the speed limit on 13th is 30 miles an hour. 
Uh, and what it's supposed to do is keep traffic at a certain speed along that corridor. You're not supposed to go because most people, not saying you, most people abuse the speed limit pretty fiercely. Sure. So that was my original thought because the first uh, the first traffic light that I came to was right before the road kind of jogged to the left and then back to the right. And there was a property immediately straight from where I was facing. And the question was asked to me because I deal with people like you and maybe I would <laughs> right? know the answer. Why is this light here? And I said, well, you know, maybe my first thought is that so people wouldn't do 100 and end up in that person's front living room because the road jogs. Right. And then we went around the corner and there was another one and there was another one. And my thought, my, my question for you is, is it more to make sure that people don't speed and don't do 50? Or is it more or does it have anything to do with the fact that when they're there is a large amount of traffic on that road that at least that would break it up yes, a little bit. That's exactly the other reason. There are those two reasons. Monitor the speeds, keep the speeds down, and also create natural breaks for all the cross traffic that is going from those side streets that do not have a traffic light of their own. So they will have a break of the traffic so they can get through and move on their way. So they don't have to uh, slow down and or you know they don't have to wait for all that, you know, for a, for a, and then cause a crash uh, that way. But those are the two the two reasons. And and can you definitively say that no one who lived uh, and parks along that alley just uh, you know petitioned the city so that they could get their own almost private no, traffic light? That's that doesn't not, happen. That doesn't happen. Okay. No. All right. That, that was my happen. concern. So those so that's your major traffic issue. That's about it. That's I mean that that's, that's pretty the much the one big thing that, that drives you that, crazy. That's the one thing that is fresh in my mind. I'm sure I'll have more, and then and, I'll be able to come back. Have you ridden the scooters? And, uh, well, you know, I have, I've, I've ridden a scooter probably twice and, uh, there's actually a story that we're working on, uh, for the Denver channel, um, Denver seven, uh, that was a photo of when, of early in the day. So their scooters are all parked in a line and they're all in one little section or like one company puts out five or six of them. And of course they find a nice little patch of sidewalk to do it. And that nice little patch of sidewalk right hap- happened to be where the RTD bus picked up or dropped off people. And it was somebody struggling to get off of an RTD bus because there were six scooters immediately <laughs> there. And the and 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 while it while it was moderately, you know, somebody's got to kind of shimmy their way through. The question was begged: What happens when that's per, that person's in a wheelchair or on crutches right. or is elderly or any of those kinds of things? And that's that's something I know that the city uh, is looking at changing its laws as to where they are allowed to be ridden. That I think is something else along with where those scooters are deposited, that also needs to be looked at. You also could look at this. Uh, here's a story idea for you. Is you're not supposed to, I think, ride the scooters if you're under 17. I think it's 17 is the cutoff age, okay. something like that, I think. Sure. At least that's the way it is in California. Uh, so, may, so find out what the age is limit on that thing and see how many are around South High School, East High, West High, um, North High School. See if you see a lot of scooters around the high schools, because you would think that you don't have a lot of eighteen or uh, you know kids that are over seventeen or eighteen at school, right? But at the same time, y- yes, I would expect them to be there because they may make for a better mode of transportation. Of course they do. <laughs> of course they do. But the kids are going to be using these things, tech quote, you know, technically illegally, illegally yep. right? So uh, that'd be interesting to see. Absolutely. I don't know. Stay tuned. 
Anyway, I, I, I think of these things and then I, I deposit them on you where you can go out and, 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 and actually do the work. I, sure. I'm just an idea guy. That's that's we, basically we always, what I am. we always like idea people. Uh, so finally, I was reading a traffic blog, and someone asked the question about the buddy buckle. Have you heard of the buddy buckle? I believe I have. Now it depends in which which order they are in, because there is, there are some contraptions out there that I believe are called the buckle buddy. Oh, really? Now, no those these are these are uh, small things that teach children how to buckle their seatbelt. One oh. of them is a small neon green toy with a face on it. It looks like a backpack, and they're for sale on Amazon. And I really don't know what it does other than, I mean, is an easier way to clip in a seatbelt. But uh, I digress. We can go back to your original question. Well, well, basically, it is where you have more people riding in your car than you have seatbelts for everybody to wear. That's at least in this context. Sure, because uh, also there is uh, a slang terminology that is out there. I'm not sure if you are aware of it. <laughs> no. Um, but uh, a buckle buddy is someone who uh, goes to the rodeo, or let's say, and is looking for love, um, is looking in for, all the wrong let's places. Say, a buckle buddy, but that, again, is not... Uh, are we talking Brokeback Mountain here? No, no. Well, I mean, you could be, but if you're if you're looking for a cowboy, that's just, that's all I'm saying. That kind of term out there. But when we're, what we're talking about is having four people in your in, in the back seat, and you're saying, well, I still want to be safe, so let's just put two for one under this one belt. Exactly. And often, it happens when smaller humans, because you have kids in the back, that will be sharing a, a seat belt. And this is always a bad idea. Because I couldn't find any specific studies that looked at the risks of this. But there are anecdotal uh, stories from first responders and doctors. And and the way they say the injuries coming from these, because it just tears the inside out of you. My my oldest daughter, she's 10. She wanted to ride in the front seat. And I usually let her when I'm riding from from school to home. Um, But she's she's tall. She's, goodness, she's four, four foot nine. And she's 10. So, I mean, she, so she's a tall girl. And I said the main thing is you have to have your seatbelt so it goes around your hips. That's where you're going to be strongest. Mm-hmm. And then also over your shoulder. You don't want it at your neck because mm-hmm. then it's going to crush your neck when you, when you have to stop suddenly. So that, that's the major criteria. Now, I think legally in Colorado you have to be 12 to sit in the front seat um, but, or a certain size and weight. Um, but because of her huge size, I mean, I make her wear the seatbelt. And if I got pulled over, I'd get in trouble, I'm sure. Um, but I'm going from school to home. I'm going for not even a mile. Sure. So, so if, for example, you had uh, your daughter and and multiple of her smaller human friends in the back seat, and they said, "Mr. Luber, can, should we wear our seatbelt?" You would obviously say yes. And then if they said, "Mr. Luber, can, should we just buckle two people into one?" What would you say? I w- well, I wouldn't have taken. I would take no more than three in the back seat anyway. Okay. That I would already plan on that. Say I have room for this many people, and that's the only people that can get in the car. Is the buddy buckle <laughs> yeah. illegal in Colorado? I would imagine so. Um, I, I don't think that is a legal move. I don't think it's legal anywhere. I wouldn't think so either. Because you, th- there are some schools of thought that say, oh, I'm being safe. At least I'm wearing a seatbelt. I won't become the quote-unquote missile that I, I believe RTD had the, the campaign out there, right. or somebody had the campaign that says, you know, you are a danger to not only yourself but the other people in the car if you don't wear a seatbelt. So it's, hey, I'm wearing a seatbelt. But in some cases, I'm not going to say you're doing more harm than good, but you're definitely not doing good. You can be buddies. You just can't be 
Buckle buddies. Exactly. I think that's the way. Because, that's the way maybe we should say it. Well, the the other the other thing that comes into 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 question here or something we should discuss is when we were talking about crashes and the force of them when you're the driver and all of a sudden you see something you put your, you reach your arm out just kind of out of oh yeah sure thought and then somebody comes back with oh no i saw online that i you know would you be able to bench press 2500 pounds because that's the rate or what you'd have to do in order to stop me in a high speed crash etc cetera, etc cetera. that's the force that you're putting on both yourself and your other person between you and the seatbelt, that the co- that the amount of force there, if you're wearing one seatbelt, it's designed to stop it. But if you're if you're on somebody's lap, oh yeah, also, no, you're done. You're done. You're you're just not doing anybody any favors. That's why that. the doctors say that all those injuries, the spinal injuries, pelvic injuries, abdominal injuries, are just terrible. Wear your seatbelt, but not with someone else. There you go. Jason, you did a fantastic job today well, thank on the you. podcast. I mean, outstanding. This was great. I, this was fun. I'll be back uh, the next time your first two people uh, are out of uh, out of service. And, Excellent. Uh, yeah, well, I'll, I'll, I'll be back. Well, Joseph is supposed to be back next week, so we'll see uh, if that goes. Then I'm going to be on vacation the week after. And so we'll, we'll, maybe he should have you help him out for the wonderful. show. That would be good. Uh, thanks again for listening. Thanks for being here. Uh, always remember to rate, repeat, and review our show and uh, like it on iTunes and all the rest. So until next time, I'm Jason Lipper, the traffic guy. Be safe, and as always, happy motoring.